0: Welcome to another episode of Toad's Tunes. Today I'm sitting down with Neil Mason of the Cadillac 3. If you don't know anything about Neil Mason, you're going to get to know it real quick. He's also a writer, artist manager in the Cadillac 3. He's the drummer. He's a new husband as well as a father of two young ones at home. And we dove into slowing down on the drinking on the road because got to go home and be a dad. You know, it's really hard to do that hungover. We talked about going on the road with Miranda, Little Big Town, Co. Wetzel, Brothers Osborne, Eric F. And Church. And so much more. i got some new music around the corner. We talked about heading overseas, bringing along Lindsay L., and so much more. Let's dive into this and get to know Neil Mason. I'm barefoot, blacktop, Daytona,
1: it's
0: been a few years since we've done this. There you are on the wall. I yeah. love it. Welcome to another episode of Toad's Tunes. I'm sitting down today with the one and only Mr. Neil Mason. Of the Cadillac 3. How are you, man? I'm fucking rad, dude. Good. I'm rad. Welcome back to Vegas. Thank you.
1: It's, uh, it's good to be here.
0: It's uh, I, I got the phone call, and it said, is it too soon? And I went, it's never too soon. <laughs> <laughs> we-
1: yeah, we've been uh, touring our ass off like, since we got the chance to get back on the road. I think when the whole world shut down there, it was uh, a shock to our system. And so ever since we've been able to go back, we've been going real hard. And you have kids now? I do. I've, yeah, so that's another thing. I got married and have two kids in the matter of three years. So, yeah. Wow, well. so you
0: have a three-year-old and like a one-year-old
1: I or something like I have a two-and-a-half-year-old and a seven-month-old. Holy, boys, girls? Uh, both girls. Both girls. Yeah. Um, I just got a picture of my two-and-a-half-year-old with, with a boy holding hands about two hours ago, and I don't really know what to do with that. Uh. Uh, ha- you don't know <laughs> how to process that. No, I do not. <laughs> uh, I have a
0: 14-year-old that's going to be 15 in July. Okay. And... Um, High school, she's like it's it's you're you're gonna see now that she wants to talk to boys, and I'm just like I don't approve of it, but
1: you you can't really. It's hard, man. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, my two year old, she's like you know, it's hard to imagine that she could even comprehend uh, anything other than like cartoons, but she comprehends a lot. She's really smart, and I learn more from her brother than she does from me. Do you think she'll be musically inclined? She likes. Drumming, um, you know, I think drumming is like pretty easy as a kid. You're just swinging your banging arms on, and banging yeah. on stuff. You get to hear it. Yeah, but she she does like music a lot. She really likes singing, which is interesting. It's like she's a very happy kid, and it's like her natural thing is to just kind of start singing or like humming or like just uh, singing notes. Like with at two and she, a half. At yeah, two and a half, yeah. So that's fun, and I'm curious to see our our youngest, Teddy May. It's like, will she? I'm curious to see like how quickly she picks up on things right. compared to, to Lou, just because Lou had to learn just from my wife and I, and Teddy's going to learn everything from her sister. So that'll be interesting. Is your wife musically inclined? No, she's got a very wonderful s- childlike singing voice, like my daughter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not really musically inclined, no. <laughs> what does she do for work? Um... Or does she? Well, she does, yeah. So, I mean, she takes care of our, our, both of our daughters. she That's a full-time job. Yeah, it is a full-time job. She, uh, Her family owns a place called the Green Mansion Inn in New Braunfels, Texas, which is, there's a really old honky-tonk in Green called uh, Green Hall. And Green Hall is like a very famous honky-tonk down in Texas. And this bed and breakfast that her parents own is right next door. So my wife runs like, Helps run it from afar, but also runs, like, all of their marketing and social media. Oh, right. Um, So she's done that for a number of years. She also, like, will do styling and things in Nashville for photo shoots for artists. She's very, um, uh, she's, uh, I don't know if she would approve of what I'm wearing right now, but she's good at making me dress well. (laughs) He's wearing a cardigan right now, folks. Yeah, my Uh, my wife did buy this for me. (laughs)
0: Let's talk, so, Shut Down, your first show back. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. was the build up a little bit different than maybe your first show as a bigger artist playing bigger stages and stuff? I mean, was it like full circle to start all over again or do you think it was just as easy just another show?
1: Cuz it was you guys were what, off a year and a half. Yeah, it was like a year and a half. Um yeah, it was it was that's the longest break we've ever taken. So there was a lot of rust to kick off. Right. I think we were excited. Um I don't know if we were nervous per se, but it was definitely like it felt foreign which it had not felt foreign in a l- very long time. Um and yeah, you're as a, at least for me like as a drummer it's just like it takes a while to just get up to speed again. Like right. it's exhausting and my hands hurt and my body hurts and I was like in really good shape coming out of covid because I had just been home and like kind of hanging out and like there was a lot of time to kill so I was like going for runs and like bumming around my neighborhood and All whatever right. and like taking it pretty easy but uh drumming is a whole different
0: uh beast definitely is i mean you're using every appendage if you think about it i mean yeah i have a drum set in my backyard it's in backyard in my garage in my backyard i have um i had it set up for a while then i took it down for about a year and a half and then just put it back up again it's just something it's fun to go out there and beat on it's good sense of whatever but i couldn't imagine doing it for an hour and a half every night
1: yeah it's it's a funny thing you kind of i'll get home on sundays and i'm is pretty worn out, but uh, with the kids now, it's like you come into that house and it's like you were on your dad, like the second you enter there's the house. N- there's no more relaxing when you know, like I. So I'm uh, between. Well, I mean, between you and me and whoever's going to hear this, it's like I haven't been drinking for a minute, like kind of since we found out our, we were having our second kid, and it's mainly because of that, like reentry. It sure. was like really hard, like coming home off the road on a Sunday morning, hungover versus not as drastically different with kids
0: <laughs> um we have a brand new puppy at home yeah. and um <laughs> this morning uh i'd say about four fifty in the morning i got bit on my eyelid Oof. bit on my lip yeah. and then bit right on my nipple Oof. and i picked that dog up and about <laughs> threw it across the room yeah. and it's a little mini dachshund so right. i was i was not the happiest but it's not much different than kids because they don't talk um, uh, it's when they're awake, they're awake. You can't tell them no. It's time to go back to bed. It's just, it's, it's their world. You're it's just their, living in it's it. Their
1: world. You're living in it. And I love that world. It's, it's a lot of fun. But it's a lot more fun when you're like a little more well rested. <laughs> right.
0: I think that's kind of cool. That's. I mean, that's rad. Um, let's talk about hobbies you picked up during the shutdown. Is there anything that that you mm-hmm. picked up? Something new that that you didn't do before? Or something you dove dove back into that you never had the time to do? Or did you just guys? Did you guys write? Did you?
1: Yeah. It was. Um. It was interesting time, you know, so my wife was pregnant with our first kid at that time. Um, I did write a lot of songs. It was, a, it was really good for, it was good for songwriting. It was good to, like, get off the road, get some perspective, not be doing the off the road, on the road, off the road, on the road thing that we do when we're touring, which is kind of nonstop all the time. It's like, we'll be home for three days, we'll be out for four, or vice versa. Right. And... You know, my wife and I had just gotten married and so it was kind of a funny time we were pregnant just gotten married and I was like I don't think you counted on spending seven days a week with me Yeah, now you, you know? really get to know yeah, me. yeah now let's make sure that this is all right we better hope that it is um but to answer your question yeah I did a lot of songwriting uh you know the a lot of the management stuff I was doing it was like this very odd time to try and figure out what to do you know so it was a lot of talking about what to do but not with a lot of clarity on when we were going to do it. And obviously everything dragged on and on and on. And so that was was hard, especially for a couple of the artists that I work with because they were just gaining some good momentum, you know? And, And I think the people that, the artists that really struggled coming out of COVID the most were probably the ones that were just building up their head of steam right when everything shut down. Right. You know, and so I think that we spent a lot of time trying to, Figure out how to keep momentum going as best we could, and also, um, you know, just control what we could control. So, like with with Ray Fulcher, you know, he made a 16-song record with Jonathan Singleton, you know, and like that, she just put his head down and threw it into making an album and writing that record, you know. And I think that's kind of what we did with Cadillac. We made that Tabasco and Sweet Tea record, yep, kind of coming right out of the Country Fuzz album, and that probably wouldn't have happened as quickly as it did if. We had not just been stuck at home. Do you? So,
0: in case people listening don't know, he manages um, Ray Fulcher and uh, Mister Austin Jinks. Um, yeah. Ray Ray writes a lot. <laughs> Ray writes a lot. Ray
1: <laughs> writes a lot for some big people. Yeah. Ray's uh, Ray's done pretty well for himself. He's uh, just had Luke Combs' most recent number one with "Going, Going, Gone." I think he's had three or four other four others. So I think yeah, I think he's at five now and there's like a voting competition that's been going on this week for the next single that could be his or somebody else's which is kind of an odd situation but he might be i don't i actually don't know if he won that competition or not i haven't looked but um he might have luke's next single. So. That's pretty. I think it's pretty neat. I got to see him.
0: Like we were saying earlier, uh, they Luke, Ashley McBride, and Ray Fulcher all yep. came on this tour and they played at T-Mobile here. Yep. All three of them have played here before. A lot of people don't know that Luke Combs played here and he opened for Corey Smith in 2016. <laughs> That's awesome. Pretty neat. Ashley McBride played here and two weeks later went on the road with George Strait. Wow. Pretty freaking cool. Like lightning in a bottle. You know, yeah, we yeah. just got we got we got lucky. And what's funny that I don't know the name of Luke's drummer. Um, Jake. Jake. Yep. I was in Ray's uh Green room backstage at the show, and he's like, "You're toad from stonies huh?" Like, because like, I remember 2016. I was like, "How the hell do you re- like? You guys have been everywhere. Like, yeah. how do you remember that?" And he's like, "That was probably one of our funnest shows." And I was like, "Wow, that's crazy."
1: That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. They're they're a good camp, man. And you know that whole extended camp, they take really good care of each other. And obviously, like, it's a cool thing to see. Obviously, just how big it's gotten, but the fact that Luke still you know he co-writes with his buddies he co-writes with ray he co-writes with drew parker he co-writes yeah. with um just kind of all the same guys that he was at the very beginning and i mean why would you not because it's obviously worked yeah but, yeah <laughs> but that formula doesn't suck yeah but it doesn't happen every day that it, it, you're able to keep such a tight-knit crew and that's a i think maybe one of the i don't want to say overlooked but one of the if you know the behind the scenes of luke's story that's one of the coolest parts of it to me Is that he stays in in tight with his? Yeah, it's just that it's that it's that inner circle that was just kind of who he met when he first came to town, you know, and he's continued to just kind of champion those guys up with him the whole time, which is awesome. And you know, people, I think, in outside looking in, they never really see the years
0: that people have put in, and the tears, <laughs> and yeah. the blood, and the sweat, and they really don't understand. I just had Haley Witters here, and uh, her story is phenomenal. I yeah. mean, you look at a guy like Nate Smith, who went to Nashville twice. You know, the first time, they, they didn't do so well. Second time, he went back, and now he's doing much better. I mean, it's just people don't really hear those stories too often. They just assume that, oh my god, here they are. They just wrote a song, and they're big and famous now.
1: 100%, yeah. I I actually had a, a photo memory pop up on my phone the other day. I, I did a session that I produced for Haley back probably 10 years ago. And just this random photo of one of the charts from the session popped up on my phone and it had some like M and M's on top of a chart. And I, I just texted to her cause it had the song title up there and she was like, Holy shit. She was like, I forgot all about that. I was, I was like, yeah, I, me too. Yeah. Um, but, but Haley's been just like Haley the whole time just continuing to do her thing and kind of waiting for the right opportunity. And, right. I, and I, love, I love her for where she's at now because, you know, it's like she's doing her thing her way with her team on, you know, she's got her label within kind of a couple other labels. And she's just really carved her own world. And I think that that's what we're all trying to do is just right. make a little world that, We can find an audience that loves what we do and where they can kind of come in, lose themselves for however many hours we can play or, you know, however long we can make a record that's cohesive and exciting to us and then, you know, celebrate that and then. Go back to the real world for a while, and then hopefully people want to come back to it. Right, It's full circle in that sense, right? Yeah. I
0: mean, for sure. I think that's super neat. That I don't know. I don't. I, I see you guys on socials, but I don't see you guys doing the stuff that a lot of other people do, which I think, which makes me happy because you guys stay true to who you are. Yeah. In that sense, I mean, there's a lot of um, opportunities out there that other people take advantage of, and I think it's uh, you guys tour. And I think that's what's rad. And speaking of that, I know tomorrow night you guys are open up for Dirks right around the corner. That's right. Um, opened up for him before. Yeah, a bunch of times. It um, was actually one of our first tours. Do you do you enjoy that support side, or do you enjoy the the headlining stuff, or do they both have their own little thing that you get out of them?
1: Yeah, they're both good. Um, it's we've leaned harder on headlining the last handful of years. I think just because we got a lot of those opportunities early on, like we toured with Dirks, we toured with Jake and we toured with FGL. Toured with like Skinner and ZZ Top. Toured with. Uh, some others I'm sure I'm forgetting. But you do all those, and then you still do random shows with people. You know, we try and pair up. We're doing Co-Wetzel this spring. We'd never done Co before, and that's been really fun. But you start to run out of people that you haven't opened for at a certain point. That, Fair enough, and, yeah. and so it's like it's not that it doesn't make sense to still go do one with Dirks tomorrow or whatever, but to go do a full tour, it's like, well, okay, is that different enough for his audience? Is it different enough for us? You know, have we already done it. Have they ever already done it? And so it starts to kind of like whittle it down a little bit. Sure. So it, it's not that you would never do it again. It's just it starts to get a little harder to find the ones to do like something different that would, would advance your career a little bit more or, or like your the, listenership. Yeah. And just that feels fresh to everybody. You know, right. we got to do Miranda in Little Big Town last year and that was awesome. Dude, so that had fun. to be cool because that you're talking totally different. Yeah. And that was great. And the, our three crews together is super fun and and i mean honestly and that was like a shorter two or two it was like maybe 20 shows so it was like just enough to where we really got in the swing of it. everybody was having a great time and then it also ended kind of before everybody got tired (laughs) and so it's now i think there's like the idea out in the air that oh we should do that again which that's kind of fun too um because it was that much fun before. Yeah, it was that much fun, and it wasn't like a 100-show tour where you're like, well, there's no way we could ever do that again. Right. Um, so that's cool. Have you been overseas lately? We were there last September. We did the UK uh, headlining. We brought, who did we bring? Sorry, I'm blanking. Uh, Lindsay L. Oh, And right. that was great. Lindsay came over and like sat in with us every night and played on our sets, too, and it was it was fun man. It you know that was we were in the UK when the world shut down trying to do a tour and didn't get to do it in 20 what was that 2020? 2020 yeah. Yeah, so Getting this was our first back. time back.
0: How how what do you what do you see the differences between going overseas and here fan base wise?
1: You know, I think if you're committed to going over there a lot, it's really appreciated and I think that here in the States, if you're from the States, it's like, well, why wouldn't you come to Vegas? Right. You know, so there's not quite that same level of appreciation and excitement. It's not that people aren't excited. It's not that people don't want to come see you. But it's like, I think the UK notices when you say, hey, we're making the effort to come over. And they also know that it'll probably be two years before we come back. And so it's like- Because it's a big deal, it's expensive. Yeah, and so it's like there's extra effort on both parts I feel like to show up and to like really make a moment out of those nights. And I think we've also handled the UK, because it's such a deliberate decision to go and it's like its own little world, I think that we've been maybe a little smarter about how we do it. Because there's just more focus to like, OK, so the next time we go, it's going to be in these venues. And, you know, it's like and we're and each city is kind of grown at the same pace. So it'd be like if we only played in Nevada once a year and we were like, OK, so we're going to do Reno and Laughlin and Vegas and whatever. And and we started from zero and then we were went from 200 cap to 400 cap to 600 sure. cap. Like that's what we've done over there. And so it's all grown proportionally to where when we go over there, it's like, there's the same amount of excitement everywhere, which kind of adds up to a a larger level of excitement across the country.
0: I think they, I think overseas they might look at music a little bit different, especially stateside bands that come over. Because every country artist I've ever talked to went overseas. That just the, the experience is phenomenal because the crowds are different. But I also look at maybe they look at music a little bit different than they do here in the states. Maybe overall, to me, because I look at a band like Biffy Clyro. I don't know if you know who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but they play Wembley. Mm -hmm. They're headliners. They come over here. I've seen them three times. Mm -hmm. And the most people they've ever been in front of is 400. Yeah. That I've seen them at. I'm
1: just like, these guys are phenomenal. Yeah. So we were actually having a conversation about a rock band that's from over there called Royal Blood. I know who they are. Yeah. And they do arenas in the UK. And they do, like, 1,500 seaters in the States. Nothing wrong with doing 1,500 seaters in the States. But the disparity is... You know, fairly striking. It, like they kind of remind me of there was a point in time where Muse could do like stadiums. Yes. And then they were playing like 400, 500 cap rooms in the States. They eventually caught up and now they can do arenas right. here in the States, but it took a long time, you know? And I think that's one of the other things that gets overlooked about the UK, for example, is, you know, the UK top to bottom, you can drive it in like eight hours. So it's, you know, it'd be like taking over Nevada you know it'd be like it'd be like okay so what are we doing or what's our focus on nevada and so like if you just treated it as like we want to be the biggest band in nevada you know like that's kind of what the uk is it's just that there's a lore with the uk and that's obviously across an ocean and all of this stuff and they do treat music differently i'm not trying to say it's just the size of it but the size of it does help you kind of conquer it
0: i guess in that sense that's probably fair and there's a lot of people over there too there are yeah there
1: there are a lot of people in a small amount of of landmass, and so it's like the word of mouth probably spreads quickly, too.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I I watch a lot of stuff on YouTube overseas. I've been overseas. I've never been to a show overseas, but I watch a lot of this stuff on YouTube, and I watch these, like, even when you watch, like, Limp Biscuit go over there, yeah. like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and you're like, holy cow. Like, the amount of people and the, uh, the engagement from the fans. Like, it's...
1: Yeah, there's a different energy. I mean, they definitely... They like their, they chanting and they're clapping and they're stomping and, and their things, flags and their flags, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, they also like albums. You know, it's there's still like a very album based culture, and so we'll go over there and they know the albums top to bottom. So B sides, yeah, yeah. And I mean, we're not you know, we're not a radio band per se, so we don't have singles the same way that some artists do. But uh, that doesn't mean that. Every show we play, everybody knows every song we're playing here in the States, whereas over there, they really seem to. Right. Yeah, I think they consume music a little bit different.
0: Um, who's been your favorite artist to go out on the road with?
1: Hmm. Got to be careful with this answer. Uh, How about a couple of them? Let's yeah, just, well, let's I just, mean... I wouldn't do that to you. I, I will say, like, last year, the Miranda Little Big Town Tour really was top-notch and, like, just super chill but super fun. Um, kind of had the, like... Almost famous kind of vibes, you know. It's like everybody's rolling off the bus, and they're like, "What city are we in?" And everybody's been up late the night before, and there's always kind of an after party, and it kind of bleeds into getting out of the bus to go to the next city, and then you wake up and like everything's set up again magically, and you're just kind of like there. So that was that was really fun. um You know, we we always love doing shows with bro- Brothers Osborne. They're just good buddies of ours, yeah. and I think that musically is a good fit. Eric Church, kind of similar. It's like Eric doesn't do openers very much so it's like few and far between when we get to do shows with him but you we,
0: absolutely say yes when he asks we right? do
1: really pretty much because it's just like that you know you don't know when that opportunity might come back around we're doing a couple festivals with him in june so that'll be fun to catch you, up with those guys you like the festival stuff i do yeah it's uh it's different and it kind of depends you know it's like that's another big difference between the u s and the u k for example, is like the audiences in the two can be pretty different, and I guess here in the states we play more country festivals, whereas in in the u k we play more rock leaning festivals, yeah, uh, I can see that, yeah, so the crowds are just a little different in that way too. It's pretty badass,
0: man. Let's let's talk about the rest of your year, what you guys got going on. You leave here, uh, I believe you have one more stop, Laughlin, and then yep. uh, Chad was telling me you all fly home, and then you're in Florida
1: for a week. Is that a writer's thing, or is that a no? We're doing just headlining shows down in Florida next yep. weekend, and then uh, I'd have to get out my calendar to tell you, but we're basically we're headlining the rest of this month. We pick back up with. Co Wetzel in May, and those shows have been great. You've so you've already gone out with Co. We did two weekends, and then we've got this month kind of off, and then we're doing I think most of May with him. And man, that's a rowdy crowd. Like it's really <laughs> rowdy crowd or rowdy camp. Uh, both, both. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty next level. Uh, I was, I mean, people are getting in fights. It's like pretty aggressive crowd, but they love Co, and it's it's. Uh, it's like the kind of crowd that every artist wants, as far as like how diehard they are. Right, like they know every word to everything. As soon as he comes on stage, like the phones are in the air, like they're filming. Like I, I haven't told anybody in his campus, but like they ne- They should do a music video that's just literally from the front of house of everybody holding their phones up, filming Co. Because it's like the coolest looking thing ever. There is like literally like five thousand phones up in the air in the pit, just filming him.
0: What do you? We'll go back to that one yeah. in one sec. What do you think his secret sauce is to to be able to come from? It's not radio.
1: Mm-hmm. It's definitely a, a cult following. You think it's a Texas thing or? Yeah, but I mean, like the places we're playing are not in Texas, and he's doing arenas now. So I, I mean, it's it's seven, he, eight, nine, ten thousand people.
0: I mean, I I'm not saying I don't get it. Um, I do get it, but I'm like I tripped out because I just I just made a call last week on some some stuff and you were talking about the brothers osborne and i was looking for their availability and Mm -hmm. and stuff and um one of the things came up was co and they told me how much he was and i was like what (laughs) like i
1: freaked because it happened overnight yeah it's like one of those things you sit back and just go holy cow yeah like he's he's doing really well and i mean until we got in i mean we knew we were going into arenas with him but until you kind of get in there and see it you you know you still don't know exactly what it is yeah uh As far as the secret sauce, I I mean, he's just himself. You know, he gets up there and he, you know, people like the the version of himself that he's putting out there. And uh, he does have really great melodies, which I feel like melody is like kind of an overlooked thing sometimes. Just when it comes to secret sauce, you know, it's like everything he sings is like pretty catchy. It's got this weird blend between like '90s alternative. And Texas country, and those are both very popular like subgenres, right? Um, and he does a really good job of like taking the best of like randy rogers and mixing it with like the best of some 90s alternative band <laughs> and putting it together yeah and putting it together but still with his own you know his own little twist on yeah it. exactly
0: I, I i think the first time i ever heard from him was austin
1: yep and i heard that song and i was
0: it just forced me to listen to so much stuff and yeah. obviously all of his other stuff is nothing like austin which right to me I, I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world to watch someone i think the first time i heard austin he wasn't really doing a lot of stuff and i could actually afford him here mm-hmm. uh, but then next thing I knew I think a year later he's playing the joint over at virgin I was like yeah I'm out there's right. no there's no way in hell um, I I want to go back to something fun your guys' first show here we had some technical difficulties I think we talked about it oh yeah maybe <laughs> and then you guys came back again and uh I gave Kelby and I believe his girlfriend or wife a ride to the hotel okay and he asked me um you know i I know Chris said something but I just I just I just want to ask you, too. He's like, is all that stuff fixed? And I was like, did you have no idea what happened after that. So our sound guy, your production team put all their stuff together. Right. And our sound guy knows our room. Obviously, right. that's his job. But I've been friends with them 20-plus years. And I said, why didn't you go back and look at what they did? He goes, because that's just disrespectful. And I went, how? How is that? I remember... Uh, I, th- I think it was Jaron's words on the stage. If the shit goes off one more time, we're fucking done.
1: Which you had every right to do that. I believe. I I was probably pretty drunk at that show. I just remember we've had this happen at a few different venues. So like, you sh- don't feel bad for one. It, it we've we've blown the power at a few places across the country. Yeah. Uh a feather in your cap. I'm. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I guess. I mean, you know, but it wasn't our first time in the sense that we kind of know how to just roll with the punches. Yeah. You know? I mean the the worst thing that's going to happen is it's not going to come back on yep. and otherwise it probably will and i think we'll it was like playing. three or four
0: times it happened yeah and i was like
1: so the next day we or the next week we have our our uh meeting where we all get
0: together and we like debrief and talk about stuff and him and i went at it i was like bro the end of the day is this unacceptable period right. end of story how do we fix it how can we fix it so we ended up putting these cam locks in and adding more power to this room doing all this other kind of stuff well we literally i don't say yelled at each other but like It was up here. We had the big table up here. There's eight of us. We're going back and forth. And after we looked at each other, I'm like, Do you want to get sushi? He's like, Yeah. And everyone looked at us and went, You guys are fucking nuts. I'm like, Business is business. Yeah. Friendship is friendship.
1: Yeah. And we have shows like that. So, yeah,
0: I can only imagine there's a lot of dynamics in there. I want to move forward to you guys played a show for uh, a radio station here that Dan and Shay. Um, (laughs) probably one of the funnest nights I've had in a long time because you guys did the Mm pre-show and you guys had so much fun with the little crowd that was in there, uh, asking people if they were excited for Shay and Dan and the people (laughs) came back and pretty much motherfucked you over and over and over. It was the greatest thing in the world. And then I went up with my daughter And announced you guys Mm -hmm. because um, I'm just gonna say because I don't give a fuck. You guys aren't a radio band. Radio didn't know what to do with you. I was didn't understand why. I mean, it was. I want to. Was Brett Young on that show too?
1: I remember Devin Dawson was on it. Devin
0: Dawson, and there was a, a girl. Uh, it wasn't Daniel Bradbury, but it was somebody like her that was also on it. I think it's on the back wall. It is on the back wall. We'll have to go look at it. But they asked me to go on stage and announce you guys because they said I had a relationship with you. Yeah. And I was like, why? Because they blew the fucking power at Stony's. <laughs> so literally, I took my daughter went up with me, and that had to be... Let's think about that. It's twenty three. So that had to be probably seventeen or eighteen. Yeah. Probably right. seventeen or eighteen. So she was maybe what what's that make her? Seven or eight years old at the time. Yeah. And I said, Do you want to go up? There's seven thousand people in that room. Yeah. It was pretty badass. And she's like, Yeah, I want to go. I went up there and that was that was the story I told. I said, These guys are great. Get ready for it. But I just remember the crowd that night was uh it was the weirdest thing ever because they like I I believe that when you go out with a lady A. Or was it, yeah, did you say Lady A that you were out with? Or was it, who did you just say that you were out with? Miranda? Miranda and... a oh, Little Big Town. Little Big Town, that's what it was. When you got with them, I think that there's an idea that there's a respect level of everything am- uh, among y'all. Show- even with the crowd. Mm-hmm. It's a it's it's a different genre of, of crowd, I'd, I'd say. And I think that night with Dan and Shay there, I watched the show and I was like, I just didn't understand. I thought I was watching a Las Vegas show. They were all over the floor. They were doing all this stuff. And I was like sitting there, I'm like... Why did Cadillac 3 on this show? I never understood that night for the life of me.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've ended up in some interesting bills. And, like, it's funny because it's, you know, we live in Nashville. Like, we're friends with those guys. We're yeah. friends with everybody, really. Uh, it, that doesn't always mean that we should be doing shows together. And, and I think, you know, when it comes to radio, radio's. Its own beast. So sometimes the pairings get extra interesting at those shows. That was one of them. I honestly had forgotten about that show until you just brought it up, but I do remember it. Sorry. Uh, No, it's okay. (laughs) I mean, I I remember sitting up with Dan and Shay up in like the upper deck, like off the VIP area. I don't know who was, I think Devin was playing. And, you know, and it's like, we're just hanging out, having drinks, and everything's totally fine. But, you know, you leave those certain kinds of shows and you're like, what, what was the end goal here, you know? And, sure. And if you're playing a radio show, like the end goal is to hopefully win over fans that came to the show that didn't know were we coming were. to, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the goal every night. But it's also to probably try and, you know, we probably had a single out at that time. We were probably trying to get some radio spins and that kind of stuff. That stuff usually didn't work out very well for us. <laughs> How, what, what have you guys had on the radio? The South, the South, White Lightning. Oh, White Lightning, that's right. Party like you, um, and I think we kind of halfway tried to work. Drunk like you, and some other drinking song.
0: Do you do you guys foresee the future still trying to do that, or do you guys just pretty much at at this point just kind of just keep doing what you're doing
1: because it's successful? I think the radio landscape's changed quite a bit since the last time we tried. so if it was ever going to happen i think it would be because this uh, a song we put out was raising its hand really organically somewhere else you know and you kind of alluded to socials and TikToks and all of this kind of stuff a while ago and it's like we're not out there doing a ton of that stuff so i'm not sure that we would have a song raise its hand in that sort of way um very with you know at least not from our effort it (laughs) it could just happen it could just happen but you know i think that that's often how a story builds that then leads to radio right so um i guess the short answer would be we're not actively trying to work radio but we're also working on a new album right now where i do think there are some things that are for lack of a better word more commercial than (laughs) Radio friendly, uh, yeah. Than some of than some things we've done in the past, and that's is not that, not intentional. It's I just happens saying. to be kind of we're writing a pretty kind of more. Uh, I don't like the word real, but like we're writing from the place that we're at right now, which is like Jaron lost his dad last year. Um, you know, I've started a family, like we're writing slightly more mature or like in the moment. Well, there's lyrical. growth in it. All, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just where we're at in our life. And so it's like what we find ourselves writing about, which I think is maybe more universal topically than some of the stuff we've written about in the past. <laughs> I have a fair question for you. You guys do a lot of
0: writing for other people, right? When you guys write your own stuff, do you look at outside influence like that or you guys keep it within your core group?
1: Um, so we usually write with, usually we have like a third person that comes on the bus and we'll bring people out just for a weekend and we'll just kind of write some Cadillac songs and some songs that we end up pitching to other people. So, like, we had our buddy James McNair, who's another frequent Luke he, Combs co-writer.
0: He was here for a, a private event with Josh Miranda and Adam Sanders. I met him. Okay. Super nice guy. Yeah,
1: so James is great. He's an example of... Uh, we had Kindle Marvel out last weekend opening some shows and doing some writing. So that's often where we write the Cadillac songs is on the back of the bus when we're on the road. Because when we're home during the week, Jaron and I are both kind of busy doing... Family family <laughs> and also like co-writing with people that are in nashville that we don't see three or four days the rest um, of the gotcha. week you know and so um it's it's still kind of a co-writing process like we would do in nashville for some other artists but we just kind of put our cadillac hats on it's beautiful yeah
0: what's your favorite song you've been a part of
1: mm, good one um i co-wrote a song with brent cobb that miranda lambert cut called old shit that i really like um that was the first time brent and i ever wrote and so i just songs are interesting and like first times writing with people can be like very get to know you kind of experiences (laughs) yeah or in that case like brent came in and he was just like hey man like my granddad just passed away and i've got this idea about something about old shit would you be down to just write a song called Old Shit? And, you know, I, the, the Nashville songwriter answer would be like, who's ever going to cut a song called Old Shit? Wheel of Walker. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, as it turns out, we just wrote it kind of from the heart, what he was feeling that day. And then it Blossomed. got on Miranda's ears and she loved it and ended up cutting it. So that's that's one I love. You know, a Cadillac song. I love I love our song Graffiti that me and Luke Dick and Corey Crowder wrote that is a Cadillac thing. Yeah. Um,
0: is Brent ain't no road long enough? Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Brent's great, and he's actually managed by Cappy now, and out is he doing really the, doing some of the Luke tour this year? No way. Yeah.
0: I love finding out little snippets like that. I love that song too. I I think it's one of those songs that never grows old.
1: Yeah, he's a good one. He's got a bunch of great records. He's
0: is his family. Does he have a brother or a dad or someone that's in the industry? Yep. There's another
1: Cobb out there. His. Cousin is Dave Cobb, the, yeah. f- the producer that does like Stapleton and gotcha. a bunch of other Isabel and a bunch of others.
0: That's pretty rad. Go back to the end of the year. Did you oh, figure yeah. that one out? So
1: um, we are doing, like I said, Co in May. We kind of get into like fair festival stuff this summer. Um, just running around the states, doing a lot of festivals. We do some stuff with Church. Uh, got another weekend with Dirks later this summer, and then. In September, we're doing A Month with Kip Moore, which is going to be fun. Heck Jaren yeah. just produced Kip's new album, Damn Love. Uh, and also, Jaren wrote that song, Damn Love, that is going to be, I don't know if this is out in the world yet, but it's going to be Kip's next single. <laughs> That's badass. <laughs> uh, and, um, and then we'll do some headlining towards the end of the year. You know, we're trying to finish up this album, so hopefully we'll be touring a new album, but we'll see.
0: As a, as a dad now, it,
1: Do you do you see bringing your kids on the road with you? Man, if I could afford a bus on my own, I would. Uh, It's it's challenging. It's changed stuff quite a bit. It's you know being gone. I mean, this week I'm gone like six days, and so it's like I'm literally home Sunday and leave again. Right. Like two days later. So, you know, my wife's kind of the the rock star really, and she's holding it down. uh, I think. Where we can find excuses to bring the kids out, we try to. But it has, you know, with a seven-month-old, it's like you're not really right. traveling yet.
0: I think, I think down the road. I mean, you guys keep doing what you're doing. I don't think there's. You've got your hands in so much stuff that I think that that uh, that uh, that that ability to give them an experience. Yeah. I think like that is freaking cool to, to watch what daddy does and. Yeah. I think that's fucking rad. I mean, I get the joy out of it, um, with with my kid. She's actually not my kid. It's my girlfriend's daughter. Um, um, like I said, she'll be 15, but. She's a music fan, mm-hmm. and um, it's funny. Uh, I remember when um, when Whiskey on You came out by Nate Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had it already before it got dropped, and she was on TikTok, and she's like, you heard this song. And I, we were in uh, Santa Barbara just driving, and she just brought it up. She's like, have you heard this song before? And I had it on my phone, and I played it. She's like, how the hell do you have that? I'm like, how the hell do you know that song? <laughs> like, And I think that's where, like we were saying that the world of, of um The social platforms that these kids have that it's like she doesn't have TikTok anymore. We gave her a choice of Instagram or TikTok and she chose Instagram, which is rad. But um, I think that you can go with a kid and uh, get an unbiased opinion because it's something that just sits well with them or they like it. Or I, I pitch music to her all the time. And she'll give me an honest answer. She'll yeah. look at me, and I'm like, I don't don't think about what I think. I want to know what you think because yeah. it's just an opinion. Doesn't make it right or wrong. You don't have to like what I like. But when you have kids like that, I think that that's probably the neatest thing. You'll be driving around, and you'll throw something at them, whether it's your song or Ray's song or someone else you're working with. I think that's a neat piece to it yeah. all.
1: I already do that with my two-year-old, and she, you know, she's got her opinion. You know, we we had like I was saying, we had James McNair out a couple of weeks ago. We wrote two or three songs, but I had two demos. Like when I got home from the weekend on that Sunday morning and I was just playing them through the Sonos when I got home and right. I played this one that's like I kind of figured she would like because it it's a little like happier just kind of like something that it sounds like a kid's song almost and <clears throat> and she loved it and I then I played the second one and she was, she was like dada play the other one play the other one you know and so and then we just it was on loop the rest right. of the day she was like I just want to hear that one and you know that's always a good sign when you when you kind of Anybody feels that way. I mean, it's uh, that's how I am with songs. When I find one that I really, really love, you know, it's like all I want to do is listen to that one. I don't want to listen to anything else. Sure, I think I think that's the the kid in us that does that. Yep. One other thing I want to talk about
0: is our Google boxes are still an homage to you guys. <laughs> uh, we have not changed it. They're yeah. still there. I believe that was the South video. It was. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I that's. I don't know if that's like. Uh, aged particularly well, but, you know, it is what it is. (laughs) I I still dig that song. I still have fun with it. Oh, I don't mean the song, just the go-go, the the boxes.
0: (laughs) Well, it's funny that when we originally did it, the response from people was not healthy. They were saying that's degrading to women, and I'm just like, get the fuck out of here. Like, just let them have fun. And, we ended up using it as a sense of people would always put their drinks on there and the yeah. girls were dancing, they would kick it and it was just causing a mess. So we left it. But anytime someone comes in and looks at it and says something, like those are badass, and I tell them where your guys' first show here, the South was out. I saw the video, I went to Chris and Oh, we had a kid here, Corey, that was working here. I'm like, dude, build this, like, and it's simple, stupid, yeah. and uh, I don't think I'd ever change it, just yeah. because it's, I think it's an, it's, it's iconic for who we are and yeah. where it came from, and uh, it is, it is, it is an ode to the Cadillac Three, which yeah. to me, I
1: love. It fits well in, uh, in Sin City too, so it's like it kind of, it, it works, it works <laughs> well, around here. <laughs> it's nice because they keep their clothes on yeah. mostly, mostly, mostly. <laughs> dude,
0: thank you again for the time. Tell people how to find your band online.
1: Uh, so you can find us at the Cadillac three. I think most of them are the number three these days. Uh, the Cadillac com spelled out. Uh, and where else are we these days? Uh, I guess you could sign up for our email list. We send out like a, like every other week we'll send out like kind of an update on what we're up to. So if you really want to keep up with us, I would do that because you'll kind of get all the gory details. All the tour dates we will, you know, send you merch and, uh, let you know when we're putting out new songs and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's always a pleasure to be here, and thank you guys for having us back uh, more frequently than uh, than maybe everybody else would normally come. <laughs> dude,
0: we love having you here. Thanks again for the time. Thanks, dude. <laughs>
1: Razzling